0: He has the coolest information on his uh, feed. I can't well, want to call it your Twitter feed, but of course, I have to now call it your X feed. Ex-feed. Your X feed. Just the stuff you have up there is so fascinating to me. Like these little details about random sports memorabilia going for crazy amounts of money, uh, which I always find uh, to be fascinating. Darren Ravel, thank you for coming on the show. Appreciate it. Thanks, dan for having <laughs> me. That does it for us tonight. Thanks for watching. Ashley Banfield coming up next.
1: I have missed you so much. I know it doesn't look like it because I got a tan, but I've been on vacation in Canada. Not many people start their um, show about like murder mysteries and all the rest with a big smile and laugh, but that's what happens when you go on vacation for. You know, weeks. Uh, so I'm back, and thank you so much for being here on Monday. I have missed you, believe it or not, um, and I am sort of blown away by the stories that just keep falling into my. I think that like serial killers and rapists and all the rest take summer off, um, but I, I know I know they don't. Uh, I know they don't because look at this show I have for you. I'm going to give you the little menu the way we normally do, um, and happy Monday, and you know, happy August 7th. I hope you've had a little time in the sun and or heat or cool or wherever you are. Um, I mean, you know, I, I, I'm gonna give you a little secret. See this back here, this is like, the, it looks like big city, New York, woo. I'm in the smallest tiny town in central Canada right now. And I took a boat here to work. Uh, check my Instagram, because I'll show you how I get to work and back and how I get groceries, because I'm on an island. But. Um, I digress. Here's the menu for tonight's show. Uh, This Oregon story of the guy who's accused of kidnapping at least one woman and keeping her in a cinder block cell that was fashioned in his garage. Uh, This is like off the chain. There's a weird connection in this story. First of all, there's a big expansion, right? The FBI is now involved and they are uh, now going to two other states. And it's Michigan and Illinois. But why those two states? And as I look at the pinpoints on the map of where they're looking at this feller, he makes some ground, like all around the country. And if he's the guy that is uh, really the guy who did the things that people are saying he did, he is in a boatload of trouble. And there may be some really awful things we don't even know about yet. I'm going to tell you something. But there's this weird, weird connection to Judge Judy. Never thought I would say that. I actually never thought I'd say, uh, you know, alleged serial rapist with a Judge Judy connection, but I'm going to play it for you in just a hot minute, so don't go anywhere. Um, but also the stories that the woman who escaped could tell us about what happened. She's starting to tell everything that happened to her before she escaped from that cinder block cell. I'll fill you in. Also, in the Long Island serial killer story, it's like drip, 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 except the drips, they come down like a hammer um, for us, but then Also for his wife, right? She's got two kids with him, adult kids. Can't imagine what their life has been like. You know, obviously the police had to tear that home apart, looking for evidence of dead women. And she came home with her kids to move back in. So imagine what that's like. And then news just broke that there's one more Jane Doe identified. That means eight out of 11 of the dead bodies in the Gilgo Beach area have now been identified. So Jane Doe number seven now has a name. I'm going to tell it to you. And then also we are going to speak tonight with her attorney, um, Rex Heuerman's wife's attorney. He's going to join me live to talk about her reaction to this newest development that there's yet one more victim's name out there. Um, Talk a little bit about what it's been like moving back into that house, into that neighborhood, just trying to. I don't know, turn life right side up again like it could ever be. That's coming up. And then um, the story that happened in Maryland with this mother of five, she's like super pretty lady. Lots of Instagram pictures, you know, with blonde hair and flashy eyes and like pretty, pretty. She went out for a hike. Look at this beautiful girl. She went out for a hike at 6 o'clock at night. Does not come home. Boyfriend then says she's missing at 11 o'clock at night after finding her car at the trailhead next day hiker finds her body off the trail we've got the sheriff on tonight that hopefully can tell us a little bit more detail as to why there is such a supposition that this is a homicide and then how'd she die i have so many questions where was she found if the boyfriend found the car at the trailhead why didn't the boyfriend find the body on the trail what did the hiker see to call 911 about the beautiful woman that you know had just gone out for a hike at six o'clock and then there's this i'm going to read you a little list 14 arrests including drugs assault resist arrest disorderly conduct violating restraining order i don't have enough time this is just the menu that's the boyfriend so yeah the internet kind of went um but is it fair he said i had nothing to do with it he's all over social media took to the internet to say hey you know no i didn't do it I'm going to talk to um I'm going to talk to a couple of people about this story, find out a little bit more detail about it cuz I swear there's just a missing link. Let's start though with this cinder block prison story. This is like one of my number 1 fears in life other than being covered in spiders, um, being locked in a a prison of cinder block or windowless jail, like a container or anything like that, with a psycho who is your link to the outside world, to food, to water, and hopefully to being alive. That is what we're talking about with this story um, that is now breaking because the FBI is now looking at Negasi Zubari, uh a little bit wider. They're casting a wider net. He's 29 years old. They're looking at two more states now where they think he may have additional victims after one of his victims. uh, Well, allegedly, she's one of his victims, was able to break out of his garage prison. The police say that there was this cinder block prison built inside. Look at that. I just get the willies looking at this. Look at the chair. And the fan and the jug of water and like a bare bulb somehow this woman who was thrown into that thing after being grabbed off the streets in seattle 450 miles away and then driven down oregon thrown in 450 miles sexually assaulted along the way she says thrown into this prison and clawed her way out bloody hands clawed her way out she is the linchpin to the investigation as to what else might have happened with this guy? But then we found something else. And it's like, I can't explain this. This is right off the ch- It's really like a different parallel. Paradigm, everything. Turns out he was on, um, he was on Judge Judy with his estranged wife. Uh, I guess they didn't get along and they had a spat. And there was a custody problem. And, and she came to pick up the child. And they fought. And he had a videotape of it. And then he sued her for $5,000. And Judge Judy was the, if you don't believe me, this is the episode. You have to take a look for yourself. Take a peek.
2: Case number 151 on the count in a matter of H versus
3: Westfall. Thank you. You're welcome. Parties have been sworn in. You may be seated.
1: Mr. Heich, the defendant is your former girlfriend and you have a child together. While you're no longer in a relationship, you moved
0: from California to New York. Yes. You moved from California to New York together after your child was born, but didn't live together once you got to New York, trying to co-parent. And it
1: is your claim that Miss Westfall assaulted you
0: and was in your apartment? Yes.
1: Judge Judy. Judy. He was on Judge Judy. And I've just, i just, all I can just say is he was on Judge Judy. So real quickly, I need you to know. I need something. you to know something. The police, when they investigated that prisony thing in the garage, found two handwritten notes uh, on a, a, a plot for, quote, Operation Takeover. Note number one said this. Leave a phone at home, presumably if you're going to kidnap someone. Make sure they don't have a bunch of people in their life. You don't want any type of investigation. So that's note number one. So note number two, you want to know what that said? Thought you might. Dig a hole straight down 100 feet, and then it lists all the materials to build what could have maybe been a dungeon of some kind. Look at that thing. Uh, It says concrete block, rubber coat, foam insulation, waterproof concrete. How do you get the person down there and out? I don't know. It doesn't say ladder, but... They found these notes. I want to bring in Nancy Liu. She's live right now from Portland, Oregon, the scene of this crime. Nancy, I am so um, weirded out, perplexed, grossed out, all of the adjectives about this. But I'm very curious about Illinois and Michigan. These are two states were not originally tied to this fella, uh, Zuberi. Why these two states? Well, uh, Ashley, I've been
3: in touch with the FBI here in Oregon all day. And they had indicated that this was an ongoing investigation and there is a lot to investigate. They have since determined that Zuberi lived or spent time in Chicago in January of 2019, he was also in Ecorse, Michigan, in April of 2017, so that brings it up to 12 states from 10, and the FBI here tells me that it's been really hard to track down where this guy has been over the past 10 years. He seems to have been everywhere, and timelines seem to overlap he traveled a lot he's also frequented new york as we just heard new jersey utah alabama and california so there is just so much to investigate and many places to investigate as well
1: and it's also tricky because that whole Judge Judy clip had a different name because he apparently has these aliases. I'll just name three that I have, you know, at the tip of my tongue. Justin Kuwasi, Justin Heish. that was the Judge Judy name, Sakima, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. no other name. And they're saying that, it, it well, right. the authorities are alleging that he may have been drugging women's drinks or impersonating police officers because the woman who escaped said that he was impersonating a police officer and put cuffs on her Mm -hmm. and threw her in the back of the car. She said it took her a while to see a map uh, app that said, you know, you're still two hours from your destination when she realized this is not a cop. I'm being kidnapped. So do we know anything more about the details of the MO?
3: No, we don't at this point. But I mean, he started out in Seattle, drove her all the way to Klamath Falls, which is in southern. Oregon, and that's where that cinder block cell is. But this is why the FBI is just pleading to the public to come out with any kind of tips. Ever since they revealed that they have arrested DuBerry, they have gotten a flood of tips. There are other potential victims out there correlating with the state's which have been reported already they're also hearing from people who've interacted with zubiri and his other aliases they're also hearing from a lot of relatives of the missing
1: uh, hoping to find answers in their cases so they've got you know links to at least four more sex assaults in four different states then of course these two new states illinois and michigan you've had a chance to talk to some neighbors where we, we have the known crime sort of the genesis of all the information comes from this cinder block cell in the garage what are the neighbors saying what do they know about the crime the woman who escaped her condition anything else
3: well, before he went to Klamath Falls, he was here in the Portland area, just to the north. He was renting a townhome in Vancouver, Washington. That's where we spoke to neighbors who were obviously very glad that he no longer lives in the neighborhood. But that home has since been rented out again. I did speak to the landlord, who has described very as just a terrible person, didn't pay his rent. He changed the locks to the home uh, against policy. Uh, neighbors complained of barking all the time because he was raising pit bulls there to sell and he was also subleasing spaces in the house, like every single open space in the house he was subleasing, so neighbors said there were all kinds of people coming and going uh, from the home at all hours of the day. They were seeing just people who did not belong in the neighborhood. We spoke with uh, one woman who visits her sister right next door, and she described the garbage and just the weird situation that was next door, but here's what uh, a bit of she, what she had to say. It was definitely just
2: such a weird situation.
3: Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't a comfortable
2: yeah, thing. It was just off. Definitely. We, were, I remember talking like even with my sister and
3: as a family. I was like, I want we should like they should move. Yeah, if we want them to move because right. it's weird. So it was sometime after he moved out of that town home in vancouver washington that they moved to klamath falls and that's where the cinder block cell was found by authorities uh, just recently and that's after he had met a sex worker allegedly kidnapped her on july 15th in seattle so a lot of places imagine. and people to keep track of
1: yeah, yeah, but I just can't imagine what that woman, you know, A, went through, and then B... Is going through still, because that is just a, I mean, it's a scene of a horror movie when when you think of what she went through, apparently all bloodied, so bloodied that she left blood marks on the fence that she jumped over, which was why they yeah. could actually identify the scene. Nancy Lou, thank you for doing the job out there. Really appreciate it. I actually want to bring in someone who knows a lot about this business. Stacey Honowitz. I've worked with her forever and ever, amen, um, as, as a sex crime prosecutor, assistant state attorney of the Sex Crimes and Child Abuse Unit in Florida. Um, you're like the, you're like the expert in, in all of this because you've done this for so long. I'm still kind of confused, Stacy, about the one single charge that he's facing, which right now is interstate kidnapping. How about everything else? Like, how about all the horror that this woman has been able to articulate because she escaped? Well, you're going to
2: hear it. You know, you talk about doing a thorough investigation and certainly until they do a clean forensic interview of her, they're they're not going to know right now. All they know is that she was taken from one state to another. So they have the kidnapping charge. She's not from Oregon. She came from Seattle. So they have that. That's not an issue. But they have to have a long, long interview with her to go over all of the horrors that took place sexual battery battery all of the things that you're going to hear later on so they're just at the you know the peak of the invest not the peak the start of the investigation and i guarantee you as the days roll in we will hear more and more charges that are going to come along
1: Well, that's the other question I had for you because, you know, I'm sure that in your vast career, you've had to coordinate with the FBI and federal forces that come in and try to help, you know, coordinate many jurisdictions. At this point, we know he's linked to four in four states. Now we've got these extra two states, Illinois and Michigan. Can you kind of help me understand, does it get more complicated when the feds come in and you have, you know, six jurisdictions now? Or is it far more helpful in coordinating all those states to really start comparing notes and finding out if they've got a serial uh, situation on their hands? It makes
2: it much easier because now you've got extra resources. I mean, if you're just one state trying to figure out all of these other assaults, missing persons, DNA hits, codicits, things like that you're going to be bogged down. If you bring in the FBI, they have the, the resources, they have the manpower, they can go into these different states, they can interview people, look at evidence. So to have the feds come in and help in a case like this where we know that there's already 12 states involved, it's going to be very helpful for the local prosecutors. And you're going to see, Ashley, I mean, so then, this, is going to, this isn't like a one-and-done. Yeah, go you're going to be talking about this. You know, we've talked about these cases. Remember the three girls that were locked in the, the neighbor's house years ago. Cleveland. Uh, we talked about that, mm-hmm. yeah, for, for such a long time. And that's what you're going to see here. Like I said, this is the start. This is the beginning of the investigation. Certain things they're going to want to get out there. They're going to want tips. They're going to want leads. Uh, they're going to speak to the ex-wife. I mean, there is a myriad of people and interviews and, and evidence that they need to go over before there's a
1: concrete, uh, you know, charge document on this case sounds like no love lost with the ex-wife. She was on Judge Judy, and he was suing her um, after, you know, she had come to get the kid and said, you're drunk, don't take the kid outside. I mean, that's what the episode was about anyway. But listen, um, when, when we talk about a woman who escapes, and it's like person one with the story— How valuable is her story in terms of the details, the modus operandi, what she could see, how she could identify? Like, how critical is the interview of this victim, Stacey, given that she's literally been through a horror movie in her life? Well, we always talk about rape victims and we
2: know what the horror is. And certainly this is this is triple the amount of 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 anything you could ever imagine. So her. Interview is going to be critical. And so you have to understand something. They can't go in guns blazing. Tell us what happened. Tell us what happened. That's not going to happen. They need to give her time to decompress, to uh, you know, recoup. I mean, it's she's never going to be in that posture where she gets over it. But she needs time right now to digest what took place, what she went through, in order to give a distinct and good forensic interview, because you don't want to miss the little pieces. You don't want to miss something that could be a tip for something else. You want to be able to go back and say to her, tell us what you remember. And let me tell you another thing that's very interesting. You might not get everything out of her in that first interview. Sometimes it takes months. It takes weeks. Three weeks from now, she might say, I forgot to tell you this and, and a fact might come to her. So we've got to give this victim time. We've got to let the public know that this is not something that happens overnight. She spent a lot of time in that cell. She needs a lot of time to think about what happened. And the police and the feds and the prosecutors need to give her time to come forward and talk about what happened. So don't expect this to be one day she gives an interview and we've got charges. She could have things coming down the pike for for however you know we have. We have rape victims that say, you know what, I forgot to tell you this six months ago, but now it's coming back to me through therapy, through whatever they're going through. So we've got to sit tight. This is a long and arduous investigation. And hopefully there will be more people that come forward and we will be able to to charge
1: him. Just horrendous imagining what she did as she was clawing her way out of that cell. Uh, Stacey Honowitz, I think you're going to be back because, like you said, it's the tip of the iceberg. So thank you for this. Do appreciate it. Thanks, Ashley. Always love talking to Stacy. Okay, the Gilgo Beach serial killer story. You know, we knew there were seven identified bodies out of 11, and now we know there are eight. So we got a new name. We have a new identity. This one goes back almost three decades. And the weird thing is, she was found in two places a long way away from each other. Like, you'd need a car, not an animal, not anything else, not the surf. So with that news, does it mean that Rex Huerman is going to face charges in her murder as well? Same area, lots of similarities. The wife of Rex Huerman, who has been through hell and back and isn't even back yet, her attorney is joining me next with details. It's a wrap. On Saturday at 6 o'clock, Rachel Marin, 37 years old, mother of five, beautiful, went hiking, as one does. But she didn't come back. Yesterday was Sunday, and they found her. A hiker found her dead. We don't know how. We don't know why. We're looking for a lot of answers on this one. Uh, But the one thing we do know is that she's got a boyfriend that she sort of went public with four days ago. And uh, he's got a really long rap sheet. He's been arrested 14 times. And here's just a soup song. Uh, Malicious destruction of property, drug possession, uh, violation of a domestic restraining order, disorderly contact, resist arrest, assault. Woof. So the Internet is blowing up on him, and he's defending himself, saying, cut it out that I'm in morning too, so I've got questions. And you know what? Sheriff Jeff Gaylor is the guy to ask, and he is my live guest right now. This is uh, Hartford County Sheriff. This happened in Maryland. Sheriff Gaylor, thank you so much for being on the program tonight. Can you tell me, sir, what did the hiker see on that trail that led them to call 911?
0: Uh, well, thanks for having us on, Ashley. And you're right. I mean, social media has blown up on this, uh, even when it was just a missing person case, we had so many tips, I think over 12,000 shares of our message and, and tips coming in. And the individual who found, uh, sadly found, Rachel um, was a self-deployed uh, searcher out, out in those woods, um, actually looking to see if they could assist police, um, not working with police, but of their own volition. And they uh, were successful, uh, sadly, in finding uh, her body and the uh, the crime scene. There in the woods, just off the Mompa hiking trail, which is a very popular um, hiking, jogging trail uh, and one that uh, she was known to frequent to go out there and do runs quite regularly on very much into fitness and and was known to be out there on the trail uh, regularly by friends and family.
1: So it sometimes doesn't take a medical examiner to determine that it's a the manner of death is a homicide. I'm assuming that's where we are. But the cause of death can be also determined sometimes very quickly. Was it obvious? Was she strangled? Was she shot? Was she beaten? How did she die?
0: Well, investigators, and, and we're early into this investigation, so our investigators we're not releasing the exact cause of death. Um, the medical examiner has positively identified that was something that we were waiting on, although we knew who it was. Uh, We were waiting for the medical examiner to make their official statement that they have identified her. But it was clear to investigators at the scene that this was not some accident uh, that someone had along the trail or that it was something that was self-inflicted. The scene was obvious that it was a homicide scene, and that's what our investigators are working aggressively. And, again, I've got to thank our community for uh, so many tips coming in, and it hopefully will lead uh, us to be able to successfully close this case because our community is— watching very closely and obviously very concerned and interested uh you know relatively a very very safe community uh, county here just about 30 minutes north of baltimore yeah. and we uh, have a low crime rate and this is a very unusual set of circumstances for this area
1: sir i have 10 seconds left but i, I have to ask you and i have to get a quick answer is the boyfriend richard tobin a suspect
0: well we, we have no specific suspect so of course our investigators have spoken to him but um it could be anywhere from a suspect to a, a, a unknown. So we, we don't have someone specific that we want our community to know that we all options are still open to the investigators. We cannot pin this on one person at this point in time.
1: Sheriff Gaylor, I'm going to call you back on this one because we this is a mystery and we're just at the beginning. Thank you, sir. Appreciate this.
0: Thank you. Thank you.
1: Always good to have you on. Okay, so I'm going to take a little bit of a break from the murder and the mayhem and and all the other stuff. And I'm going to talk about Barbie. Except I'm going to throw in the crime and justice part of the Barbie movie because it turns out there was some crime at one of the Barbie movies. And I'm going to show it to you next. I'm that person that sits in the movie theater when the movies ended to watch the credits and had i been in the brazil movie theater when barbie ended don't tell me anything i haven't seen it yet and i'm dying to see it um i would have been very angry to see the scene that broke out at the front of the movie theater here it is courtesy of the new york post take a look at it. what A fist fight at Barbie? Here it is in slow motion. Like decked. The woman got decked. It turns out it's not about the movie. A woman allegedly was letting her kid listen to a YouTube video at max volume during the Barbie movie. Again. (laughs) I would have done that anywhere to anyone who let their kid watch a YouTube video on max volume. But at Barbie... Yeah, the insanity. Thank you for being here tonight. It's been great to see you. Stick around. Cuomo's next. I'll see you tomorrow night.
0: Hey, I'm Chris Cuomo. It's Monday. We're live. So what do you say? Let's get after it. Now, as a matter of fact, it is still true that Americans agree on a wide range of priorities and concerns. But that is before you put them into the prism of party politics.